with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Pumped to keep knocking out these questions with Holland Davis and Sean McKeon. Thank you guys for being on the show again. Um, yeah, we have about almost 100 questions, and I want to literally get to every single question in the next couple months. Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, I know a lot of you guys have been uh, tuned in on Facebook Live as well. You could send your questions. We'd love to add them to the show and hear what your guys' thoughts are. That's why we do this show. But we're gonna start with uh, we're gonna start with the first question. Go for it, Sam. All right. How do I put my relationship with Jesus above everything else, practically in my life? Mm. That's a great question. It is. Um, you know, the key to any relationship is time. How much time you put into the relationship. And um, you know, when I was dating my wife. I, I like every moment I could be with her, I was there. You know, if I was at work, I wasn't with her and I was thinking about her, but I get off work, I'd call her on the phone, we went to church together, we just we just I just did everything I could just to be in the same room with her. And and really that's what it is with the Lord. You know, it's like when you when you um are in love with the Lord and you wanna just prioritize that relationship, it's about spending time with them. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, you know, going to church is, uh, you know, is certainly part of that, but it also every day, you know, spending time in prayer. I would read these books on prayer where they would talk about guys that would pray for eight and ten hours a day, and, mm-hmm. and it always depressed me because I'm like, I don't have eight or ten <laughs> hours in my day to do that. They must not have work, you know, they must not have jobs. And so, um, but I read this quote from someone that became like my motto. He said, I can't pray for more than five minutes at a time, but he goes, I can't go for more than five minutes without praying. I love that. Yep. And I just, that became my life. I just, every moment of every day, I just, you know, was in conversation with God. And that drove my relationship and being in God's word every day and, and spending time with the Lord that way and worshiping. Mm-hmm. You know, I put worship music in my car. So I was just listening to worship music all the time. I didn't listen to a lot of radio uh, stuff because i just wanted to be with the lord and that's practically how i did it and that goes along with what jesus says seek me and you will find me knock and the door will be open we got to keep seeking him and even when you look up seeking in the dictionary uh there's other words related it's searching for probing hunting pursuing appealing Mm -hmm. you have to literally i like that hunting for yeah (laughs) you know what i mean or i even read this other one in the dictionary says to be on lookout Mm -hmm. You're always looking out for Jesus. You're always hunting for him. You're always seeking him. And he says, if you seek him, you will find him. Mm-hmm. And I love what you just said about the prayer. You know, I'm not, I'm not a long prayer guy either, but I'm praying. Like it says, pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. I'm always praying whenever I remember, when I'm driving, when I'm in my car, when I'm making coffee. I mean, I, I, I talk to God all the time out loud. My, 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 my wife must think I'm crazy because I'm always in the shower talking. Yeah. She'll come in, I'm talking, I'm like, oh, hey, oh, I, I'm praying. <laughs> oh, you do that too. I do the same thing. I do it all the time. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that's, that's how it starts. Always be on, on hunt for. You know, like recently, uh, this, this past week, it's been so crazy. And I know like you guys go through, you get really busy, you know, and you have to find times to, to, uh, 
to find times with God, you know, and sometimes you, like this week, I haven't had time to actually sit down and really like get into the word. So I'm like driving up today. So I'm putting on K wave. I'm listening to the radio to hear a Bible study. Or then I got my my devotion last night. I'm getting ready for bed. I see my devotion by my coffee machine. So I open it up. I'm just wherever I can. I'm just trying to get in, you know, mm-hmm. to hear a little bit of word or listen to the audio Bible or whatever. But that's, that's what it looks like basically to be on hunt for. Yeah. There's times when I could just, get into the word but then there's other times when i'm just like okay i gotta get a devotion here gotta get some k-wave radio here any way i can but that's always to be on hunt for to be looking out for jesus yep. mm-hmm. in your life because life gets life gets busy it you know? gets busy and the other aspect is the scripture you like about denying yourself and that that's where it comes mm-hmm. it comes down to too and you're going to you're going to come to that place when you're spending time with the lord there mm-hmm. are things that will hinder your walk with god and there are things that are going to amplify and encourage your walk with god you either have time to watch netflix yep or <laughs> open that bible <laughs> <laughs> that's it though yeah. yeah no it's true it is true all right we got another question <laughs> How can you hear God's voice? How do you, how about this question? How do you tune your, how do you, how do you tune your ear to learning to hear it more clearly or at all? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Well, one great way to do it is to read God's word because it is God speaking. His voice. You know, and it, it, it is his voice. And I had this friend of mine that would, call me up and say, oh, I have a word from God for you. You know, mm-hmm. God gave me a word for you. And so I would say, okay, give it to me. And they would just quote a scripture. Yeah. And and so I, one time I asked him, I said, you know, I noticed that you quote scriptures a lot. She goes, well, that's what God, God's voice sounds like. It sounds like the scripture because oh, yeah. he wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. It, it's, his, it's his voice speaking. So that's a real practical way. But you know, for me, when I received Christ, I heard an audible voice. I heard God speak my name. I heard, I heard, I heard Him say, "Holland, I love you," and that literally changed my life. Just hearing the voice of God. And there's been times through my life where, where I've heard, you know, like voices in my head, and it's kind of scary to say that because they have medication for that now. <laughs> but you know, there's like, uh, but that, and I thought that that was a normal thing. So there, there'll be times in my life where I'll just hear God saying, go talk to this person, go do this. And it's more than just a, just an impression or a thought. I'll just, I'll, I'll almost hear like an audible kind of thing, you know? And so I know there's some people that have that dynamic as well. And, mm-hmm. and part of learning to cultivate that, because, you know, there was a time when, you know, obviously where I would hear something and it wasn't the Lord, you know, and it was through experience, you know, like, OK, I think that's the Lord speaking to me. And you do what what, you know, you feel like the Lord wants you to do and you find out, OK, that wasn't the Lord. So now I know what it feels like when it's not the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you experience that over time and you begin to kind of through uh, discernment, you know, experience, discern when God is speaking and when he isn't speaking. Mm. And that you get through experience. And another way yeah. to hear God's voice is you have to practice and hone in to try to hear it. Mm-hmm. How am I going to talk to you if I go, if we go to a concert and I'm like trying to talk to you in the middle of a concert, Right. all that noise that's happening. If I want to talk to you, I'm going to take you away from that concert and the noise, take you to the front of the venue where there's no noise and we're going to have mm-hmm. a little conversation where I can focus on what you're saying. So in the same way, to hear God's voice is we have to take that time to kill the noise of the, the activities and things that are around us mm-hmm. 
and say, okay, God, what, what are you saying to me? And take that to tune your ear to hear. Hmm. You know, a lot of people go, well, God doesn't speak to me. I'm like, well, do you ever like get away, kill the noise and try to focus on hearing what he says, read the word, let him speak to you through the word or just try to actually sit and wait and he, to listen and be quiet? Because yeah. God can't speak to you if you're, in the, if you're just distracted by things and your mind's on all these different things all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can, he, let me rephrase it. He can speak to you, but it's going to be very hard for him to, to get through if you're really trying to hear his his voice. And that's yeah. what the scripture says. Be still and know that I am God. There it is. You, you have mm-hmm. to have that time where you can set aside all distractions where you can hear God's voice. And in an ever fast-paced society that we live in, especially mm-hmm. here in Southern California, you, you got to make that time. For me, I have three kids. i got to get up early. I, if I don't get up early, before you know it, I'm racing on the freeway just to get here. And before you know it, my day's over. And then my yeah. evening comes. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's bombarded all the way till 10 o'clock till the kids are asleep. And then you're tired. Um, you have to, to make time and you have to have times where nothing is taking your attention away from what God's trying to speak to you. And you have to learn how to, to wait on God. I think it's the same aspect as well. Sometimes you want an answer right away and sometimes it's just praying and, and waiting upon God. His word, I believe, is very important when it comes to hearing God's voice and having that love relationship with God. Sometimes he'll speak to you through circumstances. Mm-hmm. He'll speak to you through through people at times. And so it's always um, having that discerning heart of, Lord, is this of you? And uh, trusting when you, you know his voice, you hear his voice. I can give you one hint, practical hint. When you want to get, you know, close to God and you want to hear his voice, go to airplane mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Airplane mode. Yeah. Put your, put your phone on airplane mode. Literally. Yeah. Sh- Kill all yeah. connection to anybody because those are the distractions. Yep. Because you can still get texts if you're on that, you know, that night yeah. mode that we that we're always on. Mm-hmm. You still get text messages. You can see it. Airplane mode. Flip the phone over, and get down. Yeah. Seriously, and people are like, oh, I can't. You know, that's that's practical. That's what I do because I'll get distracted. <laughs> easy. Very easy for you. Uh, very, very, very easy. What other, uh, what a que- what other questions do we have? So. What, what do guys... Oh, wait, hold on. I want to add... I want to read one. I yeah. just saw one. Seven. What does a surrendered life look like? What does a surrendered life look like? Well, when you think of surrender, I think a lot of us have in our picture of our mind of somebody waving a white flag and saying, I give up. When you look in the Old Testament, and I'm just going through it again in Genesis with Jacob, uh, Jacob was a man whose name means... Um, heel catcher, conniver, and you actually see he lived up to his name, right? The way that he uh, made decisions, the way that he looked at things, the way he always tried to fix things his own way a lot of way, a lot of times. Um, there's a great lesson to be learned in the life of Jacob because we know the story of him wrestling with God and his life being changed or his name being changed to Israel, which means governed by God. It is surrendering. And if you try to do things your, your own way, how has that worked out to you up to this point? Mm-hmm. Surrendering is saying, Lord, I've tried it my way, but I surrender to your will. I give up my will to live out your will that you have for my life. Mm-hmm. So surrender is just saying, Lord, here I am, Lord, use me. The scripture of um, Romans 12, 1 and 2 is the same thing, to uh, be a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, like... I want you to dominate my life. I want your ways in my life. I don't want to make decisions that are based on feeling, 
by my my emotion, my own understanding. I want to surrender what to what your will is for my life. All right. Yeah. Go for it. Number eight, uh, the next one, Sam. How do I know God's will for my life? Well, the, the Bible tells us God's will for our life. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really the, the easiest way to know it is to know the scriptures. And what, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, it says, He has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to mm-hmm. walk humbly with your God. And, and that's what we're all created to do, to, to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly uh, with Jesus. Uh, but there's other scriptures, you know, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things for Your pleasure. So we're created to give to please God, mm-hmm. you know. And so living a life that's pleasing to God, that, that comes again from His Word. And uh, But, you know, oftentimes when someone's asking that question, they're also wanting to know specifically, like, should I go to college? Should I get a job? Should I Should I go down this path, you know? And um, in my own life, as I have just walked with the Lord, I mean, I've had my plans and things that I wanted to do. But what's interesting to me is that, like, I wanted to go to college. I went to college, got my degree, and God has used that. But it was really the journey along the way that God was really building his story in me. Mm. And as I began to just, you know, walk through the doors that he was opening, um, Going to college was part of that journey, but really all of that led up to me then going to work for a record company, ending up in Orange County, then going then uh, through that uh, record company, getting connected to uh, Pastor Chuck uh, again, and then eventually coming to Costa Mesa where I started the School of Worship, and I oversaw the music ministry there and started Cal- restarted Calvary Chapel Music. And so God just kind of took me on this journey as I was just walking and through the doors that were open. I didn't have like this plan that this is what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. And um, and as I got to know Pastor Chuck and I would talk to him, I realized he didn't have a plan either. Yeah. He just, you know, he would just wake up in the morning. Okay, God, this day belongs to you. I'm just going to walk through the doors you open. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just follow and be obedient to whatever you put in my path. And look what happened, you know. And that's it. Hmm. And it's, it's uh, God has a time for everything. And, you know, sometimes I, I could get, you know, stressed in, in a sense like, man, I want to do this, this, and this, and this. But what I've learned over the years of just being a Christian is I just chill and let him work out his eternal purpose. And he knows the desires of my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as I just go, God, you know, you know, you know my heart, I want to do this. You know, I, you know here, here's an example. Like, for five years, I've been praying that God would open up the doors to do outreach stuff outside the church. Or, uh, I'm sorry, well, yeah, outside the church, number one, because I don't like doing stuff in the church. Because <laughs> that's not real outreach. Um, that's in-reach. But um, we, we're doing the high school ministry. We're doing the high mm-hmm. school stuff, and that's outside of the church, and it's awesome. But I've always wanted to um, get back into doing more creative stuff. Like events, you know, like concerts or like uh, event, electronic events where I could pour into these events with creativity and do cool looking events. And I've been praying for five years and I'm like, God, just bring it in your timing. But I've just learned that he's working on his eternal plan and purpose and he knows the desires of my heart because he put those. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to do this stuff? Because he put those desires in my heart to do mm-hmm. these things. 
But I'm like, I want your timing because if I try to go out and do it my way, it's going to be very hard. Because yeah. God could do more in, in, in three minutes of my life than I could do in 20 years. That's, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, look at the story of Joseph, right? Yeah. Joseph was number two in Egypt in command of everything. So you got to go, okay, how did Joseph do that? Well, he went to Harvard, like the Jewish Harvard mm-hmm. of, of that day, you know, and he got and he graduated valedictorian. Then he went on to be, you know, mm-hmm. to get his doctorate and in, in uh you know, Egyptian government, you know, and and that's how we think, right? Right. No. He got sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. He got, he got uh, put in someone's house and falsely accused of rape. Then he got thrown into prison. And after he was in prison, uh, an opportunity came up for him to get out of prison. But the guy that brought the opportunity to him actually, you know, threw him under the bus and he ended up staying in prison even longer but then he had another opportunity rose to the top you know because he was god was with him god blessed him while he was in prison and eventually he got an audience with pharaoh and boom the rest is history he's number two in command of all of all of pharaoh's stuff so how how could you plot that like, how could you develop a five-year plan or a 10-year plan that said this is That would not I'm have been the plan that he would have came up with. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And it's, it's true. And that's why you just wait on God. And the outcome of that story is God brought some, you know, the Crave uh, kids from the, you know, East Coast over. And now we're, we're doing these, these parties yeah. to reach people. And what's awesome is, like, we do, we got, like, all kinds of different unique people coming to these parties we're gonna have a definitely a wild time this this coming up week but yeah just waiting on god and it just worked out perfect when god's will when he when he uh when you wait on him and he organizes and puts it all together everything just goes smoothly falls into place Mm -hmm. it falls there's no stress there's no um it just it just flows there's just peace so yes you want god's will and all things work together for good for those that are in Christ according to his purpose. purpose. I've heard Chuck say it several times, like, you know, a dad doesn't give their – just because a kid wants to eat candy every single day of their life for every meal, the dad doesn't give them the candy because it'll destroy them. Yeah. You know what I mean? God mm-hmm. knows what's best for us, and that's why we just got to seek his will, hear his voice, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and just wait on him, and in his time – he will give you the desires of your heart. Dude, I'm doing stuff that I never even thought I would be doing that I absolutely love. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say you guys would all say the same thing. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Next. How do I witness to a person who continues to reject God multiple times and does not care about whether or not they go to heaven or hell? It's prayer. It's yep. prayer. It's love. It's compassion. You know? The the Bible says that we are to be salt and light, right? So what does that mean? It, it means that we are to be a, a purifying influence. Um, I, I like the, the illustration of salt being something that um, uh, brings up a thirst. I, I think that we do. We, we, people need to thirst for what we have. They have to see. The greatest example to me in, in evangelism, the greatest effect of evangelism is you living it out the Christian life mm-hmm. in front of them. And so no matter how far they are, how much they've rejected the Lord, how much they don't want to hear what you have to have to say, the greatest example that you could the greatest impact you can have on their life 
is living out the Christian life right in front of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most powerful impact. We see this through Scripture as well. I look at look at Stephen, the first martyr of the church, mm-hmm. and the Bible tells us that um, Saul, who would later be changed to Paul, was there. And the Bible says that he was consenting to his death, meaning he was affirming the accusations. He was affirming that he deserved judgment and his life was to be killed. And he watched all of these people kill him right in front of them and stone him. And he, in the scripture, tells us what he said in the next uh, chapter. Basically, he's still on this mission. He's on this mission to throw Christians in prison. And what does it say? Men, women, children, all of them. Has this hate and animosity still in his heart until God broke him. See, he had it his way. He was rejecting this, the gospel. He was mm-hmm. rejecting the reality of Jesus. But God broke this man and used him as one of the greatest um, uh, leaders in the New Testament church. And all of the stuff that was written of, of Paul that Paul wrote himself is so powerful and so amazing. But it was from a man that rejected. Now, how do I know that the impact of a life that was surrendered to the Lord um, is proof of an impact of his life? Because Paul references it multiple times throughout the book of Acts that he was not only a persecutor of the church, but he saw Stephen being martyred. So years, 20-some years later, he's still giving testimony that that impacted his Mm -hmm. life. So I think that is a great way for us to live. You, You want that person to come to the Lord that's rejecting the Lord. It might. It's not in your timing. It's in God's timing. It might be next week. It might be next month. It might be them in a hospital bed, broken and looking for hope. Mm-hmm. It, it might be when they lose a loved one, when they go through tragedy, when they lose their job, when they go through a circumstance, and you are there, continue walking with God, and they watch you go through the ups and downs of life and the curveballs that life has to throw your way, but you are still keeping the faith, greatest impact you can have on someone's life. Yeah, and I, and I really think the power of prayer, that's the, you kind of touched on that. Yeah. And, you know, there, sometimes we're unaware of really the spiritual warfare that's happening around us and how the battle is really won in prayer. That's where the battle is, is won. Jesus has defeated all principalities and powers. And so we're, we then go in prayer and pray for that person. And, and the Bible talks about how the, the spirit of this age is blinding the eyes of people, keeping yeah. them from seeing the truth, keeping them from seeing Jesus. But in prayer, we have authority to bind that. Hmm. You know, Pastor Chuck would talk about that, how we have the authority to bind the spirit of blindness over people, to keep that from keeping them in blindness, and to release the revelation of God's love. Hmm. And so it's it's something that we do in prayer, and um, and I've seen that actually. In fact, I'm praying that over our city right mm-hmm. now that God would, mm-hmm. you know, bind the spirit of blindness over San Clemente and release just a revelation of His love, mm-hmm. and so that when when and as He does it, that the people will receive it because they're able to see they're, the spiritual dynamic has been dealt with in prayer. I'm I've been with a few people where man, I love these people mm-hmm. so much, and. You know, they're, God, they're just, it's just blind, mm-hmm. just blind. And I'm just waiting for doors to open to share. But all I can keep doing, like you said, is just living my life. Mm-hmm. And they see it, but you just got to wait for those opportunities. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but it, I, I see the blinders just blind, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And it's the spirit, you know, of this age. I mean, Moody, when he would do his crusades, had a guy that would go six months before an event and organized prayer. Mm. And he and he would pray for, until he felt like 
they experienced the breakthrough in the spirit, yeah. and then Moody would come. That's interesting. And so what was interesting that people don't realize is that the day that guy died, Moody retired. No way. He said, I can't. He says, I don't. He so saw the value of the power of prayer that he didn't feel like he could go and preach without that groundwork being done in prayer. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. All of us have been... Us coming to the Lord is a result of prayer. Mm-hmm. People have been praying for us. Oh, family yeah. have been praying for you. My family, I'm sure you're, you're same thing as well. People that you would come in contact with. Yeah. I think my just, family were all pagans. Well, <laughs> well, whoever, somebody is praying for you. And, you know, it's just the power Someone of... Someone liked you. Yeah, somebody <laughs> probably liked you. I don't know where they're at, but... Yeah. Uh, people pray, and I think that's so, so amazing, too. I remember one of the coolest things that, that I saw from my side is that when I was in my deep of depression, all the stuff that I went through, come to the Lord. Years later, I stumbled across a journal that my mom left in my car. I had moved some boxes, and it, it fell, fell open. So what do you do? I read it. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it, and I, just, I saw the date, and it was like 2001. And in it, she's talking about my brother who was in the military at the time, and then it was me, and she's talking about how I look, how bad I look, praying for me. And so all these details, and I'm like, wow. Like, she actually saw her prayers come to pass. Because yeah. mm-hmm. now, a couple of years later, I'm involved in ministry. Obviously, she's seen my life change. And it's like, wow. It Not only did, is it an answer to prayer for her, and now for me to look at it, like, wow, God does answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. So pretty amazing. Awesome. Next question, Sam. What's your biggest encouragement for those that know the gospel as we try to live for Christ? What do you do daily and practically? Every day, wake up. And just say, God, I'm yours. Open doors that you want me to walk through. Give me opportunities to talk to people. And uh, just seek him as we talked about at the beginning of the show. Read, pray, and just, I, you know, what I, basically what I do is every day as I wake up, I'm like, God, I just, I want to live like the disciples. I want to live like you. <laughs> Open up opportunities. If you want me to pray for people to get healed, word. If you want me to witness to them, let's do that too. If you just want me to love people, anything that you want to do, anything I read in the Bible, I want to witness. Mm. So just open doors. I just pray open doors. Mm. And do- and every, every time you pray for an open door, doors open. Doors open, yeah. And don't be discouraged because you don't see what you expect to see because it's a walk of faith. So yeah. I'm not called to produce results. I'm called to obey God's word. Yeah, mm. And so I just walk in obedience. And... That means sometimes I'm I'm going to see incredible things, and I've seen amazing things happen. God do, yeah. you know, incredible healings and outpourings of His Spirit. And then there's been times when I've just faithfully obeyed and done what God's put in front of me, and I'm wondering if I'm even making a difference or having an impact, mm-hmm. you know? Because but God didn't call me to produce results; He just called yep. me to be faithful, and so. You know, part of that is, you know, you're going to go through times when you don't see what you want to see, mm-hmm. but don't stop. Just keep, just keep being faithful to what God's put in front and of you. And remember, the Gospels in the book of Acts is a highlight reel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Don't, I, I, I want to see that stuff happen every day, but it's a highlight reel. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Facebook, you know. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I look at people reel. and they're like, face, they like. I'll say, man, you look like you're going here and there. And they go, well, I'm just Facebook busy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was my <clears throat> past year. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right. What else? What else we got? That's a good one. All right. 
Um, why pray when there's tough times if God has a plan and is going to do what he wants for your plan and life anyways? That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Well, prayer does change things. Um, I think about Daniel. Daniel uh, was seeing the world change around him. Uh, he got a given King Nebuchadnezzar some dreams and uh, about what future events were going to happen in terms of the global world governments and stuff. And so Daniel is seeing this happen, and so he goes to God for clarity. Show me what is going on here. And it talks about how you know the, the angel came to deliver the message to uh, Daniel, but he was held up by the prince of Persia by the demonic entity over Persia that was keeping the prayer, the answer from coming to Daniel. But Daniel continued to pray until the prayer was answered. And when, uh, and when that answer came, then it was like, then the angel said, hey, this is what was going on. Mm-hmm. Now, what was interesting is that Daniel didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, change the way he prayed. He just continued to ask God for the answer. He didn't stop praying until it came. So literally, the angel said, it was your prayers that al- that basically brought me here. Hmm. That it was your prayers that that were doing the battle, the, the warfare that needed to be happen, that needed to happen in order for the answer to come to you. And I do believe that prayer changes things. Mm-hmm. Prayer is a game. Prayer is the game changer. Mm-hmm. And if, in fact, when I, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that uh, man, had we prayed more, more things would have happened. What, you know what's awesome is when you pray and it comes to pass. Because mm-hmm. then that, that really encourages your faith. You're like, dang, you pray and also God answers prayers. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, the- more live with Ryan Reese coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now, 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I warn you. You know, the Bible, why, why pray? Jesus ta- told us to pray. Yeah. Jesus he said he gave, always got away. Jesus pray. prayed himself. Jesus gave instruction of what a prayer life looks like, of worship. It has every aspect of it. Worship, intercession, um, petition, just pouring out your heart before God. Because just like we brought this up earlier, I think, about relationship or communication, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Um, as we desire communication and relationship with our, our, our wives, or with our children, God desires that communication uh, with us as well. Um, I do like that aspect that you brought up right now, Ryan, too, is like you see the impact of prayer. I think about one of the coolest um, examples, I think, of prayer and just how God can answer even when uh, we might not even think it's going to come to pass is in the, the book of Acts, chapter 12, where they've been praying for Peter to be released from, from prison, and yet they're praying all night, having a prayer meeting at the home, and then Peter is actually released. Yeah, an angel actually yeah. <laughs> uh, releases him yep. from a prison in a place where he shouldn't be able to get out. He gets out. He goes back to the house that they had been praying for him all night. Then he's knocking on the door to let him in. And there's that girl that who is it? And it's Peter, and she goes back, tells everybody who they've been praying for all night, and then they didn't believe it. Uh-huh. They said, "Oh, you saw a ghost or something." Uh-huh. Like, no way. And then they open the door, and it's actually Peter. 
And it's like, why is that story there? Why is that put there? And why does it show even the, the lack of be, be, the, the belief of those that were actually praying? I think it's uh, something that we need to see that God truly hears our prayer. God can answer our prayer. Mm-hmm. He can do the impossible, and he can use common people to do so. I was, and, okay. Well, I was just going to say on a, like a, a theological level, yeah. God gives man free will. And in order for free will to exist, that means that God has to respect man's free will, which means if God, if man wants something to happen, then he has to ask God. So God doesn't just automatically act. Yeah. You know, yeah, he has a plan and his plans and purposes happen, but he just doesn't automatically act without our participation because that would be disrespecting our free will that's true you know and so on a just a a theological level we need to ask in order for god to act and and when we do ask god does act um jesus said pray thy kingdom come thy will be done you know so we're to pray that god's will happen why why do we pray that because god's will doesn't always happen Mm -hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's just the reality of the world that we live in. God's will, you know, I can't look at someone who's abused and say, okay, that was God's will for that person's life. That's a horrible thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm to pray that God's will is going to happen, you know, and that that can be prevented. How is can that be prevented? Through prayer. You know, and that's why I think that prayer is, is the game changer. And when we get on the other side of eternity, we're going to look back at all these things that we wanted to see God do, and God's just going to say, you never asked. Jesus says, you have not because you, you asked ask not. And also, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke, he prayed, prayed that you won't fall into, into temptation. Mm-hmm. People that are struggling yeah. with, with you know, the, the things of the world, lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, they're falling into it because there's no prayer life. Mm-hmm. The prayer it just releases the power you know, in, your, in your life. So, yeah, I mean, even when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when I prayed, you know, I was trying to find out the will for my life. And, th- and a lot of people that are listening to the show, they're trying to figure out, what does God have for me? Well, when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I prayed. I said, God, if you want me to tell my story, have someone contact me that's not in my inner circle. I said a prayer. I talked to God. I got a phone call the next day from a pastor in Las Vegas, wanted me to come tell my story at his church. That was an answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. Because I prayed, God answered the prayer. He, I went to... Las Vegas, and that simple act in obedience, listening to what God opened the door, I went and told my story, and that was the birth of the Whosoever's mm-hmm. movement that I run today, mm-hmm. a worldwide movement that started 11 years ago. Well, how did it happen? I prayed. God, God answered answer. the prayer. And that was the – that one prayer shifted the whole course of my life that I'm doing today. Yeah, that's That amazing. one prayer, that was, that was it. Oh, yeah. Prayer is important. Yeah, very important. And that, that's what if good, I would have never prayed? Then I would, you know, just walking through this earth, yeah. not knowing what the call was. God immediately yeah. gave me the call on my life at that point. The house that we're hours. in right now is through prayer. We we went our whole life and thought we'll never. I'm in the ministry. I'll never own a house. Mm-hmm. But it was the desire of my wife's heart for us to own a house, mm-hmm. and so. God put it on some people's hearts to help us do that. And they literally, we got this house given to us. Well, part of how they structured it is is they did one of those loans that turned upside down. And so we were, you know, when the market crashed, we were looking at losing our house. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and I was filled with anxiety. Um, then out of, out of nowhere, the bank redid our loan. And so um, the first year was great because our interest rate was like 1% and our payment was like 800 a month. And the yeah. second year, it was 3% and our payment was 1500 Third year, it was going up to like over three grand, which we couldn't afford. Yeah. So we just thought, okay, Lord, um, it has been a nice ride, but obviously you don't want us here because you're not providing. And as I was praying that prayer, the Lord just said, who gave you the house? I said, you gave me the house. Okay, so it's not your responsibility. It's mine. Hmm. So I said, okay, Lord, this is your problem. You have to solve it. And so I was very specific. I need a principal reduction. I need uh, my interest rate to drop, and I need my payment to stay at 1500 hmm. yeah. And we prayed, I prayed that for three months. And um, we tried to get loans. Nothing worked. We got declined because I'm in the ministry. I have no money. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, I get a call from the bank, and they said, uh, this has nothing to do with what you've done in the past, but you've been approved for a loan modification. And I'm like, well, I need, uh, I, you know, I've been turned down. He goes, forget about all that. This is completely new. So I'm like, okay, uh, what does that mean? He goes, well, we're going to forgive $125,000 off your principal. And I'm like, oh, really? I says, and what else? And he goes, we're going to lower your interest rate from 3% to 2.65%. Wow. Wow. And I said, and, and how much is my payment going to be? And they said, 1500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I said, what do I have to do? And they said, we're going to send papers. You sign them and send them back. And that's it. And that was it. It was done. So I'm in my house now. 1500 a month is my, my mortgage. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't even rent. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, for, for that. For 1500 yeah. You know, anywhere in South Orange County. I can't, I can't rent a house no for that price. Nope. And so that was God saying to me, you're right where you're supposed to be. Through prayer. Through that's prayer. Awesome. That's why prayer is crucial. Yeah. Dude, that's Legit. amazing. I love that. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> that's so dope. So dope. Okay. Let's keep it going. What else? I feel like I'm always carrying this feeling that I don't fit in and my social anxiety is really bad. Do you have any advice on how to turn to God for healing? Hmm. Social anxiety. What, have so you, would have, that have be? You talked to any, like, have you talked to anyone that has like what? What is social anxiety? I don't think. Is that like the same as being in a crowd of people, like being yeah. in a crowded place, or is it? You know, you, it can also be that I don't have friends. I don't have. You just maybe feel like a loner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or is yeah, it just being around a lot is. of people? Because that'd be more like anxiety, just like you well, just you have don't anxiety. Know, when and they kind of said it right there too: social anxiety, being in a group, but not fitting in. Mm-hmm. Kind of like being there, but you don't feel like you're a part, and so you kind of feel lost in the crowd. You don't really have that. Maybe people are joking around. Have you like ever they, talked to anyone that's that's been? That's well, I think that stuff? I think that's common in a lot of people's lives. Especially growing up, like mm-hmm. from school, in elementary school, junior high school, high school, a lot of people go through that stuff. That's why they they try to find themselves into a clique. That's why uh, one day you show up and they're all Heshers, and the next day you show up, yeah. they're all this. Yeah. You know, they're trying to find their identity, mm-hmm. but if they're really being honest with themselves, um, they just don't feel like they fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that. It's all going to come back. If we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, it's finding who you are in Christ, your yep. identity, identity in Christ. Christ. Yep. I mean, that, that's yep. the key. Yep. Because if you're trying to say, well, like, I don't really like this kind of music, and I don't really like this kind of stuff that my buddy likes. I'm not really into sports. I'm not really into this isn't my cup of tea. 
Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, God just made you made you different in, in, in different aspects. And when you find out your identity in Christ, I think that that anxiety, because, and this is what's uh, different in our culture, and we bring it up often as a social media aspect, because people feel like they have to put on a persona. They got to mm-hmm. be something that they're not. And what that will cause is anxiety, because you're always trying to keep up with the latest trends. You're trying to keep up with the the latest whatever just to be able to fit in that's not going to be the answer the the the, the answer is going to be finding our identity in christ who you are mm-hmm. in the lord you yeah. know you know what's awesome too is when you uh, become a believer and you start getting around you god open like he opens doors for different people that are around the church or you know that are around you. he brings people into your life better way to say it and you're like-minded with christ that's that's where you find if you find your identity in christ then you you have common ground with people. Mm-hmm. I hang out with a lot of people that I, they don't skate, they don't surf, they're not even in the same music I'm into. Yeah, but we we have um, similar passions and, and belief system with 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 Christ. Mm-hmm. So we hang out. You know, I find a lot of friends through that too. So it's not um, find yourself in Christ. Number one. Your identity in Christ, and then God will bring you like-minded people around you, basically. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it's it's hard to fit in with people that are on, into all different different things. There's no common ground. Right. That's what brings the anxiety. You don't have that common ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then for me, like it that I relate to that question actually because I struggle sometimes mm-hmm. with that because being a musician now I'm a pastor. Um, you know, it's easy for me to be on a stage mm-hmm. in in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't even phase me, yeah, because I'm not like they're not talking to me. You know, there's no interaction. Um, but when I get into a crowd, all of a sudden, then I my anxiety level goes up. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was getting my motorcycle license, and I went to the safety classes and stuff. And it was awesome while we were riding the bikes and stuff. I loved that part. But then they said, okay, we're going to go to lunch. And then when we come back, we're going to break up in small groups. And so I called my wife and I said, hey, um, you want to come and have lunch with me and maybe like hang out for the rest of the afternoon? And she's like, what's going on? You know, because my <laughs> wife has no social anxiety. She's like, every, she loves. And so she's like, what's going on? And I said, I said, they're going to break up in small groups and we have to talk to each other. <laughs> and, you know, and she's like, you're you're stupid just you'll be fine you know and she just like talked me off the mountain but you know but as i've over the years have grown in like what you're talking about my identity in christ Mm -hmm. that you know god when he made us made us good and he said when he when he created man he says man is very good Mm -hmm. so my goodness my intrinsic worth doesn't come from my giftedness or my skill set or what you know what I bring to the table, my worth as a person comes from God, who says I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's me learning to rest in that, me learning to um, rest in what He has given me and my ability, where I don't, you know, where I don't have to compete with uh, this person or mm-hmm. that person or be like this person mm-hmm. or that person. You know, um, as we were planting our our church, you know, because of who I am and what I've done. People weren't comparing our church to the other churches in town. Like, oh, they're you know they're like a new baby church, and they're doing. They were comparing me to Greg Laurie, so they would show up and they'd be like, oh, well, you're not like Greg Laurie. It's like, I know I'm not like Greg Laurie. Yeah. He goes, how come your church isn't like thousands? Because we just started. Yeah. Give us a shot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it brought up this whole like anxiety within me of 
oh, I have to somehow fit in mm-hmm. to this culture. And, uh, and God dealt with that, you know, by helping me realize that, no, I don't have to fit in. I already fit in. I fit yeah. in with him. I belong to him. So, that we have. And, and I think they're just self-imposed expectations where we think that, oh, I heard this guy talk or I hang out with this person. I hear their testimony. And they're always just on with the Lord. And, and we think that that's the way life has got to be when, in fact, there's stuff happening below the surface that we're not even aware of. And even the scriptures talks about it, how God is working in us in a, in a way that's invisible to us, mm-hmm. but it's the work of his spirit, deepening, strengthening. And we do see it. We mm-hmm. do see it during times of testing and trials and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's, it's a work that God is doing by his spirit. Mm-hmm. I like how you said that. Like you were saying, it's not what you expected, you know, because things could happen. Things like God's still working in my life, but there's... There's other things that you expect that don't happen. So it's just like you just got to wait. And <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and Paul said it's got to be in and out of season, right? Yeah. Which means there's, there's going to be an out of season. Like things are happening. <laughs> there, yeah, there's things that are happening in my life. But, yeah, I feel like I'm dry still. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just God's just doing it. Greatest example, I, mean, I would say Abraham <laughs> in the Bible, but also David. Because mm-hmm. imagine David was uh, anointed to be the next king at a very young age. But it didn't happen overnight. He would be used in the, the king's palaces of Saul, playing worship music to relieve the stress and the warfare that was taking place. Then he was forsaken by Saul, you know, and he's running for his life. Then he's in the wilderness by himself. People are forsaking him. But yet God had told him years prior that, and there was anointing upon his life that he was going to be the next king. But he doesn't become king until he's in his early 40s. Yeah. A lot of time went on through that. Mm-hmm. A lot of psalms are written. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, mm-hmm. Lord, you are with me. And he came to understand that the Lord is a shepherd. He shall not want like a connection and a relationship with the Lord. Though I might be alone in this world, you are with me. And Your God staff, was using yeah. all that stuff for the psalms now. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah. Do those Amazing. testings. Yeah. A lot of the great that stuff would have been produced. And it even says some of, of your Bibles that are kind of like, this was written during this time. This was written during this time uh, in David's life mm-hmm. to be a reminder to us as well. Awesome. All right. We're going to keep just going through these questions. All right. What are your thoughts about people who say they are Christian but go out and act different? Well, like whether we would say that they're Christian, truly Christian. How, okay, I got a question for you. How would someone know truly if someone's a Christian by – how would you know? Because there's people with this question saying – you know, there's people that say they're Christian, but then they go and act different. Mm-hmm. So how can someone know if someone's a Christian? So like if you're a girl and you're, you're going to date a guy and he says, I'm a Christian, but he acts different. Right. Or you know what I mean? What, how would you speak into that for, for the listeners? Well, the, the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. Okay. You know, and so there's evidence. What does that look like? You know, there's evidence of that a change has happened. Mm. And I think sometimes it has to do with our definition of what it means to become a Christian. Mm. You know, because, uh, you know, uh, the model that's out there is, you know, and, and I even do this in my church, pray this prayer, mean it with all your heart, mm-hmm. and you'll be born again. Um, but that, but in the scripture, it when it talks about being born again, it means being born from above. That it's actually something that God does in us. It's not something that we do in us. And so, so if God has done this change in my heart, if God, if if God by His Holy Spirit 
has injected his you know spiritual DNA in into me you know when 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 uh, when, when he comes believe. into my life when mm-hmm. I believe then there's going to be evidence of that and the greatest evidence is going to be in my desire towards God you know when I received Jesus when Jesus revealed himself to me and I said I want to follow you um, you know it was an audible voice conversion so it wasn't like I was you know I didn't necessarily pray this prayer. In fact, I didn't pray any prayer. I didn't know you had to pray a prayer until I went to this church and they said, you have to pray this prayer. So I prayed that prayer like every night just to make sure that I was, you know, it was it was a done deal. But what changed in me was like all of a sudden I wanted to be where God's people were. I wanted to I wanted to read his word. I just had a hunger for the Bible. I wanted to pray. I wanted to be in his presence. I was learning to play guitar and I would play worship songs for three or four hours, and I just love to, to be in the presence of God. And so that's what I would look like. That's what I would look for in the life of someone else. And if they don't have that desire for the Lord, if that desire isn't driving them, then I wouldn't tell them, like, oh, you're not a Christian. But I would treat them as I would uh, someone who's not a, a believer. And what I mean by that is I would be sharing the Lord with them. I'd be encouraging them to, to grow in their walk with the Lord, to, to get to know Jesus. And I would be sharing the gospel to them. They wouldn't be knowing that I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would be cultivating their hunger and thirst for God. And, um, and that's how I would do it. But if someone, I don't necessarily assume just because someone calls themselves a Christian that they are a Christian. Yeah. You know, a Christian is what other people call you. You don't call yourself that. Mm. And, and so... Um, in my church, you know, I tell people, you know, don't assume that everyone around you knows Jesus. Yeah. You know, but assume that they want to know Jesus because they're here yeah. because they want to know Jesus and let's and uh, and minister to them in that capacity. And then there's there's other people that give their life to God and they're they're in the cleanup pro we're always in the cleanup process mm-hmm. to, to be clear, but mm-hmm. there is a process of when you the Holy Spirit process where he's cleaning you up. Mm-hmm. He's transforming you. So you, there's guys that give their life to God, and maybe they're just a brand new Christian, and you know maybe they're still t- talking like a trucker every day, or you know still acting out on certain things in their life. But you could really see if you look at someone's life, and they said they gave their life to God, and it's been a year or two years, three years, and they're still acting a fool like they were when they first gave their life mm-hmm. to God. Well, there's been no transformation yeah. of the Holy Spirit. But there's that you have to have that grace, you know, where people give their life to God. It's not just like, oh, you gave your life to God and now everything has changed overnight immediately. No, that's the Jesus, the messy ministry Jesus is right. where you're walking alongside them and you're walk you're watching their life transform and that's the fruit of the spirit that you were talking about before is you'll start seeing those transformations mm-hmm. happening. There was um, an illustration that I heard Greg Laurie give years ago, and I'm sure a lot of people have used this, the same thing. But he posed a question. If you were taken into in front of a, a court of law and you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence against you to prove that mm-hmm. to be true? That's good. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I love that breakdown because it's true. It's like because the Bible tells us to imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Does our life emulate Christ? He's like, this guy's a Christian. Like he cool? loves, he cares. He, he mm-hmm. has all these attributes and the fruit that comes out of their life. Would you be able to say guilty as charged, like he's a believer, he's That's a Christian, great. or on like the that. on the on the other side, to be like, no, actually doesn't line up. You know, you say you're a believer, you say you're a Christian, but it, 
there's nothing to prove that in your life by the way you live your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's why our lives are to be a testimony of His witness in this generation. Mm-hmm. The light, the salt, everything that's talked about, and then imitate Christ. Paul says, imitate Christ as I imitate Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've always loved that example, and That's I think that I like it's that. very yeah. simple for you to understand. Well, we got one last question before we end the show. All right. I keep struggling with letting go of the world. All I want to do is completely surrender myself to God, but can never focus solely on Him. How do I do that? Okay, this is awesome. This is someone that gave their life to God, but they keep getting distracted. Mm-hmm. But they're, they want to do it. Mm-hmm. They want to go for it. Well, I love my life verse, Second Chronicles 69. The eyes of the Lord search through the earth to strengthen whose hearts that are fully committed. Mm-hmm. Step one, fully commit and say, God, I'm yours. I need the power from heaven to help me be who you created me to be. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, um, Holland, you know, just get plugged into the word of God, read, hear God's voice, and, um, and just ask God. I don't know if we talked about this in a different show, but... Ask him to reveal any strongholds that are in your life mm-hmm. um, that the enemy has connected to you through anger, bitterness, you know, rage, unforgiveness. Um, what else? Uh, uh, lust, drugs, alcohol, any of these things. And ask God to start removing these, 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 these strongholds that Satan once had or has on mm-hmm. you to release you from that stuff. And, you know, in, in Ephesians and Colossians, it, it, it talks about things that we are to put off and things that we are to put on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's behaviors we're to stop doing. There's behaviors that we're to start doing. And so often we focus on just the things we're to stop doing, and but we don't focus on what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But what I found in my life is when I focus on the things that I'm to start doing, I stop automatically doing stop doing the other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so with this person, what I would say is, you know, to read those passages in Scripture, and what you're going to find is it's going to tell you to put on things like love, peace, joy. It's going to tell you to put on things like um, faithfulness to God and, and going, you know, being in a community of believers. You know, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. It's going to tell you what to do, and as you do those things that you are instructed in Scripture to do, then the the hold of the world has less and less hold. It just it just eliminates itself. Yeah, you know when it comes to the the process, they people use that phrase trust the process. Well, God's process is it's breaking you, it's mm-hmm. shaping you, it's molding you into His image. I think of the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah, where you have this picture of these walls were broken down, and the the as the walls were being rebuilt, it was for what protection, so the enemy couldn't just come in. Um, and one thing I remember your dad teaching this years ago is Nehemiah chapter four, when you have Sanballat and Tobiah, and they were the enemy on the the outside. They were saying, "You're doing all this work, but it's for nothing. You put these walls up, they're gonna they're gonna fall down, even if a fox goes on top of it, which is a light footed animal." And the enemy's going to want to discourage you, like the damage is too great. And remember your dad, Raul, teaching that night by like saying, those walls like also represent your life. You know, the world destroys your life and your, your life's a mess. God gets a hold of your life. He starts restoring the walls. He starts building it up. Mm-hmm. And the enemy is going to want to try to discourage that work in your life. Yeah. But this is what it says about Nehemiah. And this is what you just pointed out. 
he was too busy doing the work of God yep. to pay attention to mm-hmm. the enemy. And yep. that's what you have to do. Be focused on the task at hand. Be focused on hearing God's voice. He will restore your life, and he will do great things. The year that the canker worm is eaten away, he shall restore. Yep. That is dope. That's a good way to end the show. Way, thank you guys for being on the show. Holly thank Davis, Sean McKeon, yep. always killing it. Um, we'll be with you guys next Saturday night. We love you guys. Peace. 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 This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 